Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. from Rubber Track Studio doing my best DJ voice. It is Steven here at Going Off Track with Jonah Bear and Brad Worrell, a.k.a. Brad Goop. Happy to be here, yeah. Steven. Do you think we can keep this up for the full intro? We're going to do it. I can do it all day. I think we really need to get really close to the mic and get that super I, DJ I, voice out. Okay. We, we have to do like midnight DJs. Okay. Did you ever see that movie, um, Pirate Radio? Oh, yeah. The Midnight Mark? He's this DJ, and he's like the sexy nighttime DJ, and he never speaks, and he just he'll just go, yeah, <laughs> and then play a song, and he doesn't talk the entire the entire movie. It's really really funny. I can like all those voices, like broadcaster voices. I I can't watch local news. I can only watch like Brian Williams. Like he's the only newscaster I can stomach because he talks with gravitas. He talks like a person and gets the news out. But if you watch any local newscast, it's up next at eleven. It's like it's like hosting one hundred and one. Don't talk like that. No, totally. People don't talk that way. Well, you know, it's really irritating. I haven't watched the news like really consistently in probably like since probably like ten or fifteen years because I felt like once I moved out of my parents' house, we didn't have TV or never watched it and. I saw it recently. I was in California, and every newscaster looks like a stripper now. Yeah, it's so weird. I was like, because I felt like when I was growing up, they looked like my teachers and regular people. Mm-hmm. And now you turn around, and I'm like, this is so crazy. Like, when did that happen? I think it's Fox News's fault. Because really, they started uh, casting nothing but like you strippers, know, hot blonde, and strippers. You know, yeah. well, they go they go to the well. They know <laughs> they know what they want. They know how they want to do it. They know who their their audience is. It's like reverse stewardesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> reverse flight attendants. Yes. Oh, my exactly. band. Reverse stewardesses? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're sick. That is That's pretty good. That, that, that first EP, No, You Can't Sit There, Sir. <laughs> great, great album. Um, I, I never understood what they're talking. So when I first started hosting, um, uh, my buddy Amir Halim, who was a host at VH1, he now does a morning show in Vancouver. He he would talk like that. He would do the, uh, and here's you too with their new single. And I remember being off camera going, yelling, going, why are you doing that? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Why? You don't talk that way to me, dude. And he probably has remembers this completely differently. He's like, he's this dumb punk like yelling at me. <laughs> uh, but he taught me everything about hosting. But I remember we would have this conversation of why do people – what. Why do you put pauses in phrases that don't exist? Like it's it's almost like pandering. And I think it's a 
I think it's people who've never done broadcasting before think that's how you're supposed to talk because you've seen other people do it. Like Walter Cronkite never did that show. Yeah, I'm still convinced that we're going to get – I mean I hope we are. We're going to get a, a politician who's going to step up and talk to people like a human being and and hopefully the content will also be the same because – it's just stunning how you can take the most real, your favorite politician of all time, and they still they have to talk that talk that like that that way of talking. It's that weird form of that's why Reagan was so good at it because he was an actor, right. so he could he could act and convey. Yeah. You know, and Obama's amazing at it. I mean, he's really phenomenal. But he, but then when he, you can tell he he pauses, he puts the, he puts in weird yeah, pauses. Yeah, yeah. If you watch him, he'll be like, and the. People, that's my Obama. That's really all I have. That's, that's Fred the, Armisen, look out. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, here's the thing with Obama and Fred Armisen. Like, to, I wonder, I can't wait to talk to Fred about this because I wonder if that's weird because Jay Farrow, like, he's like an impressionist. That's his jam. So he comes on the show. You know, Jay Farrow's a black guy. He can do Obama, like, perfectly, you know? I, I don't know. I wonder how that, how that works, how that hierarchy is at SNL. I don't know if that came up at all because I know they always had that. They had that weird, I felt bad for when uh, you know Will Ferrell left and they had to have someone else do George Bush. Right, right. that's just you got, oh, oh, great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I know what you mean because it seems like sometimes that it was miscast. They would have it, it seemed like oftentimes they even when they were doing a new, you know they'd come up with a new character that they didn't always pick the best person to do it. It seems like hmm. I'll have to have Vanessa back on and discuss. The inner workings. Yes. Do you remember in the, the like we've all seen the footage of Dan Aykroyd doing Jimmy Carter? Yeah. He's got a mustache. <laughs> they didn't care. That's what I love about the yeah. early stuff. He, did, he had a mustache, and then it's like Chevy Chase doing Gerald Ford. He looks like Chevy Chase. <laughs> Perfect. Uh. Perfect. Now watch this. I'm going to do what I used to do on television, which do a, a really bizarre segue and see if I can make it make sense. Okay. Chevy Chase, of course, there's Chevy Chase, Maryland, which is a state, you know, uh, below Delaware, which is below Pennsylvania, which is where Dave Hawes, today's guest, lives. Look at that. Wow. That I was didn't crap. do yoga today, but I feel like I still had a stretch. Whoa. Nice work. <laughs> Man, I still wanted to use that joke on you after your yoga retreat. Was it a stretch? <laughs> Uh, Dave Haas from The Loved Ones, uh, singer-songwriter. He's uh, put out a series of EPs uh, on five different labels this July. The uh, Excuse me, five seven-inches, not EPs. Well, I guess you can call a seven-inch an EP, right? How many songs are on a seven-inch? It depends. Uh, for United Nations, we can put on like 12. Yeah, that's but true. But some <laughs> bands can just do two songs. All right, so he's putting out uh, a seven-inch series, uh, five different labels, July uh, Chunksa. Great Chunksaw label is putting out uh, Dave Haas's 7-inch. So go out and grab it. Grab all of them. Actually, get everything Dave Haas has written and done. He's, he's a great songwriter. Got a great voice. I dig listening to Dave. Um, we're going to talk about him and the loved ones, what he's doing right now. Talk about, of course, about Chuck Reagan. Because I think all roads lead to Chuck Reagan on they this do. podcast. They do. And uh, some fun stuff. So here's uh, Mr. Dave Haas, our buddy from Pennsylvania. And our guest this week, Dave Hawes of The Loved Ones um, and solo artist extraordinaire. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's no. nice to be here in this cool, gray room. 
It's, it's very nice. And a gray indicates that it's dingy, but it's not. It's very clean. No, and, and it doesn't reek of smoke like other studios. And things. No, it's really nice in here. We have been discussing bringing in like a pony keg or beer or something. We just tend to start these rather early, so it feels awkward. Come on in, Corey. Hey, look, it's Corey Brennan. <laughs> Corey Brennan has walked in with coffee for Dave. Oh, thanks, buddy. And you guys are on tour together? That's right. We are. This is day three, I guess, for me. Corey toured up from... Oh, you're all right. What's this? Half a bagel. Only half. <laughs> Corey Brennan just threw something in foil at you, and it looked very <laughs> dubious for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a... Just a bagel. Now he's handing him a spoon and a lighter. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> it's getting very awkward. Corey, thanks for joining us. Uh, cheers. Right on. <laughs> very witty this early. Uh, it's all right. Corey, where are you from? Um, Memphis. Uh, I'm from Mississippi, but there were no hospitals there, so they drove up, had me, drove back home. Yeah, I grew up just south of Memphis, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, right there, the northernmost part of Mississippi. Very cool. And Dave, you're from Philly, yes? Correct, yeah. Right Born and raised. What part? Uh, I, I was raised in Roxborough, but I moved out into the Burbs about eight years ago. Which Burb? Ambler. It's Ambler. A little, little town northwest of the city. That's so weird. I was just there for Thanksgiving. You're My kidding. My aunt and uncle live there. You're kidding. No, I swear. Next time you go, you should give me a holler and we'll go do something fun. Yeah. I mean, not that going to your aunt's isn't fun. No, no, no. No, totally. That's the last place I would expect. It's very super <laughs> suburban. It's well, well, at least where they are. Well, here's the thing about it: like most of the suburban areas outside Philly are like total wasteland, cul-de-sacs, and and just the only thing to do is to go to Target. Like, I mean, it's a drag, but Ambler's an actual town. It has like a art movie theater, a bunch of bars, a bunch of coffee shops. So it was my like I resisted going to the <laughs> Burbs, but it was a an okay. Um, compromise with my wife you know i was like all right well this is a cool bird because it's a, it's a town you can get yeah, something to eat look, and get a bar look like a little small southern town when i drove in there yeah like a little theater yeah and it's 30 minutes into the city so and up on yeah, a train perfect i that, never have to bother anybody for a ride when i'm you we, know flying somewhere we did the same thing we moved to princeton junction new jersey oh no kidding yeah which is also exactly it's a town right there's it, stuff there yeah you know? yeah but there's a Target very close, and I go to it often. <laughs> do you are you filled with glee when it's time to go to Target because it's something to do? That's when you know you're living in a. No, he's filled place. with pee because he's going to get big things of diapers. Oh, I would assume <laughs> so many, so many diapers. <laughs> My entire world. I, I how wait? How old is your kid? Uh, they well, I have two. They're eight months. Two, you'd have twin now. girls. Yeah, congratulations. Wow. Eight no. months. <laughs> no. no. I play that wrong? No. no. One, 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 have them one at a time, right, Brad? It's hard enough that way. Yeah. One, one at a time is the way to go. No, they're, but I, I had the experience yesterday. I was like, I was holding one of the girls and I was like, somebody pooped. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. This is a smell on me from a defecation from earlier from one of you. Oh, this man. Is, this is awful. But I get, the, I get the whole move to like a burb that you can survive in. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah, sure. it's essential. And that's and we're we're about forty five from Philly. Ah, I guess you are. Yeah. Right, you're like halfway between. Yeah, you, you kind of get the best. That's a good spot, actually, where you are. It's way closer than Manhattan, which I'm fine with because I, I dig Philly. Because my wife's from Feasterville. Right, right, yeah, right, right. About that. Uh, now, you and Corey, you played last night. Yeah, we did. We played in Brooklyn. Right on. And so, how long has, that, has this been an ongoing tour or a recent thing or just a couple of dates? We did Philly on Tuesday, um, New Haven. On Wednesday, Brooklyn last night, and then we go all the way up to the 23rd of December. And we end in Memphis, right? Yeah, last one's in Memphis. 
where yeah. you were born because they didn't have hospitals in Mississippi. There you go. Well done. Full circle. <laughs> Aw, it's a good ending. Now, is it full-on bands playing? Is it just you solo? Is it... Two of the shows, um, I have a, a band. Okay. So one of them was Philly. That already happened. And then Manhattan on Sunday at Mercury Lounge is a full band show. And then the rest of them are solo. I'm, I've been trying to just be practical about when I have a band, when it's close to home, when I can have my buddies play and mm-hmm. not hire a band and basically watch any money I ever make evaporate. Because if, yeah. if you hire a professional <laughs> band, it's crazy expensive. Um, so I've been just trying to be smart about the way I tour and, you know, and also I think it's cool to keep people on their toes. I mean, if you have a band and people are not expecting it, it can be like a welcome surprise. Mm -hmm. And then if you show up just sometimes with a guitar, I mean, you know, keep people on their toes. Sometimes I have people come up and guest and do stuff like that. So just try to keep it fresh. Do you find it hard to differentiate between... Dave Hawes and the loved ones. Do people, I mean, do you still throw in loved ones tracks when you play live? I do. Um, I'm finding it less and less hard to differentiate just because I've been doing the solo thing almost entirely for the last, well, for all of this year and then some of last year. So I'm starting to get actually used to playing solo, you know, and starting to forget what it's like to be turned way up loud and racing around the stage at top speeds and all that stuff. Um, it's nice to kind of have a new thing to put your energy into and learn how to do, which has been this like whole year of solo touring is relearning how to play music in a different way. I saw you play uh, an acoustic show. It probably, I'm, I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll let you fill in the blanks, but I'm going to label it as the the hardest spot on a lineup to play because you played at the south by southwest fat record showcase following ben weasel punching woman in the face well (laughs) you know i should have timed how long it would take for you to bring this up i figured it would be a topic we'd talk about what was the last time i saw you play yeah so that was the hardest spot it was something i should never have agreed to do um but your friend and mine, Vanessa, has mm-hmm. a power of, the power of persuasion. She's a fantastic human being and was like, hey, will you play the Fat Records showcase? And I said, well, I'm not on Fat Records. I'd put this record out elsewhere. And she was like, well, yeah, but you're part of the family. Um, we're going to have you and Joey Cape play after Screeching Weasel. And I was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Two acoustic guys who aren't playing with their bands, which, you know, the Fat <laughs> Records, some of their fans are going to already balk at that. And we're going to go on after Screeching Weasel. That sounds terrible. (laughs) So earlier in the day, I played a show with um, another bizarre idea. It was Painted Black and Fake Problems, Title Fight, Bane. Um, That was a Shirts for a Cure. Shirts for a Cure show. But, I mean, I was the only acoustic act amongst, you know, Bane and Painted Black. Like, Mm. I was playing essentially a hardcore show. There was a couple other bands. Like, Riverboat Gamblers played and so did Fake Problems. But that was at about one in the afternoon and knowing what i had to do later in the night i think i was supposed to go on at 11 o'clock in you know after screeching Mm -hmm. weasel later that night i proceeded to drink all day long i mean just drink and drink and drink just knowing that i had to do it i tried to pace myself but it didn't work that well it was too long of a period of time and i got to the show and screeching weasel was having you know a great show 
but seemed to. I mean, I wasn't quite paying attention. I never was really a fan, thankfully, of that band. Yeah. So this night didn't break my heart in any way. And I'm just lamenting my choice to do the show. I'm like, oh, my God, why did I agree to play? I mean, these people are going to either leave, which I hope <laughs> at this point, or they'll stay and rip me apart, you know? So I'm like, fuck. Oh, can I say fuck? You can say whatever, yeah. I can say It's a podcast. Shit. <laughs> yeah, no. No, just, not shit. Fuck oh, is very okay. appropriate. Shit, so I'm no, like, oh, fuck, show. this is terrible. I don't know how this is going to go down. And I was standing there actually talking to Dan Yeeman from Painted mm-hmm. Black. He's an old friend of mine. And I'm like, man, I should have not agreed to this. This was terrible. This is a terrible idea. And he was like, look, man, just do it. If you can't chicken out, you can't bail, just see it through. And lo and behold, I look up and there's some melee going down. And it turns out Ben Weasel, that guy happily named, punched a woman in the front row and then punched the promoter. And people were like, you know, part of me was kind of just, you know, well, shocked for sure. And then also I thought it was distasteful. It was an awful thing that he did. But the selfish side of me was like, awesome. (laughs) Oh, this is so great. He just wrecked his own show. And so anything I do other than hurting people who came to the show (laughs) will be fine. It's going to be great. Um, He just saved my night. So the whole thing, the whole thing caves in. The place goes crazy. People want to kill this guy. And the only way out of the backstage where he retired to with his wife and manager, um, in the backstage, you couldn't get out of without going through the crowd. And people wanted to to hurt him. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were furious. Of course, my acoustic guitar was back there. And so this big security guard was standing there. And, you know, he's, I said, I got to get back there. I got to get my guitar. And he goes, nobody's allowed back there. And I said, listen, man, you're a big guy. I was like, and things are crazy right now. I was like, I'm getting back there no matter what. That's my guitar. It's the way I make money. I need it. I certainly want nothing to do with that cretin that just punched those women. So I go back there and I'm fishing around for it, moving stuff around. And he's sitting there, this Ben Weasel character. And he goes, what the hell with that? I'm just going to put it out there in the public. I mean, this is going to be public. He goes, uh, hey, who who are you? I was like, my name's Dave and I don't want to be in this conversation at all. Like, I don't want to, like, I'm just here for my guitar. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, I got some advice for you. Like, he's a, he's a total, like, he, I mean, he's just a, an arrogant guy like you're in his presence like i don't know him but just within that first couple seconds i was like this is not a guy i'd want to be hanging out with ever <laughs> hey i got some advice for you and i was like what could you possibly have to give me for advice what advice are you like i don't want any of your advice <laughs> he goes oh yeah well when you go up there and play don't punch anybody <laughs> <laughs> and i just looked at him i looked at his wife and i was like are you fucking kidding me like this is funny to you. This is a t- so. I was like, uh, yeah. Oh, hey, duly noted. Uh, I'm I'm out of here. You know, grab my guitar and then played and proceeded to. I had plenty to say about the mm-hmm. the event, if I'm not mistaken, about him. He was bagging on on Mike, who owns Fat Records, yeah. and bagging on Vanessa and the whole staff, and, and then bagging on South by Southwest, and it was which, yeah. I mean, it's it's a you know. It's a sham, the whole thing. I mean, they do get you down there. I'm not really sure what the point of South by Southwest is. It's yeah. it's a little bit, it's not that artist friendly. They don't really pay mm-hmm. well. But you go into it knowing, 
you know, he was eyes wide open about the whole yeah. situation. So to go there and and bitch seems so juvenile. I mean, like he knew what he was getting into. I don't know what. And the rants were longer than the songs. That's what bothered yeah. me most. And I'm not a uh, Screeching Weasel fan. I was with Mike Weeby from Riverboat Gamblers drinking heavily. Yeah. And not listening to the set. And I remember he, he and I both went, wow, he just hit somebody. Anyway. <laughs> oh, he just hit a chick. That's fucked up. All right. And then we just kind of sat back and just watched the carnage go. Yeah. And the best thing about the entire evening um, was afterwards watching all the bands on tour with Screeching Weasel just had this big powwow in the parking lot and go, we're out. Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing the tour. Yeah, he's a pretty grotesque person from, from what I gather. I don't... My dealings with him were just that brief and right. he seemed pretty... Um. He seemed to not have any remorse for what he did. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really follow it. I'm sure if this gets out into the world, he he'll take a few snipes. Doesn't he like go on the internet a he lot might. And, like, and start trouble with bands or whatever? But whatever. The, the best the best comment of the night was uh, it was either Jonah or Trevor who texted me and said, "Boy, I bet um, Mike from All American Rejects really regretting that screeching weasel tattoo right about now." <laughs> Dude, Mike. Yeah, Mike like produced his records and stuff. So I don't know what the yeah, well, the is. the best quote I got was I was in in contact with Fat Mike. He wanted to. I mean, every year with South by Southwest, he does something that you know bizarre. Yeah, and he had done Cokie the Clown the year before, and he texted me while I was there and said, "Hey, pretend that I'm at like basically I'm not at South by Southwest, but I'm via Twitter. I'm attempting to make people think I'm there, which was kind of a half baked idea, frankly." Mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, I'll play along on Twitter, no problem. And had tweeted, you know, oh, Mike and I just got wasted with Bane or whatever, you know, like <laughs> silly things like that. And so people were saying, hey, where's Mike? So I texted him. As soon as that happened, I was like, hey, your buddy just punched two women at the uh, Fat Wreck showcase. Wondering what he was going to text back. You know, I was like, I wonder how he's going to handle this. And his text back was simply fucking Christians. With a bunch of exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was great. So yeah, that was that was the that was his response. But yeah, it was a bizarre scene. And, and the next day, actually, Vanessa called and was like, "Hey, uh, Fox News wants a a quote from someone who was there and involved." And you know, are you do you want to do it? And I was like, you know, kind of, because it would be. It's always fun to get on TV. You can, and plus, you might be the actual quote on Fox News that. From someone who was actually there and involved, you <laughs> the, could be the first. The, the problem, <laughs> the problem though, was uh, a it was Fox News. So whatever I was going to say, they'd find the most sinister or the cruddiest thing I could say about them, and that would be the soundbite. And honestly, I just don't want really anything to do with that event. I don't really want to be attached smart. to it or have any kind of uh, association. Really, it's, well, I will say following. Following the incident, I watched your set and enjoyed it immensely. Oh, and there thanks, was man. and there was a crowd for it. Yeah, it was cool. It, it was a really good set. It was it was fun. I mean, the night worked out perfectly for me. And that said, I feel awful for the two people who got punched. I mean, that's a drag, but there's a silver lining, I guess. To everything. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it, you wanted you wanted it so badly to go away, and then it just flipped on itself. It, it a really did. good set. It made it it made it a lot easier. And I thought to myself as it was going down, well, either this is going to get canceled because the cops are going to show up yep. and we're, we're going to have a big mess, or I can just go up there and be mellow and make jokes about how much of a jerk he had been and 
It worked out just fine. In fact, his manager, who ended up quitting, later called me to. I guess he also now manages Tommy Stinson. Okay. And so it's like, hey man, you know, you want to do these Tommy Stinson? So I got to know this this manager guy Ben. That's terrific. Who mm-hmm. was actually working for for Screeching Weasel at the time and subsequently quit. But um, so you know, lots of some good things came out of it. And you and I was reading that you did some dates with Tommy Stinson. Mm-hmm. Which and you pointed out, I was reading uh, on on your site that you know Tom Simpson played Guns N' Roses and all caps Soul Asylum, the new bass player, which yes. I think is awesome. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's been playing with Soul Asylum for quite a while. I yeah, since no uh, the other guy died a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I knew that. I'm a big Soul Asylum fan. Yeah. Me too. And, yeah. and like like I started with Hang Time. Remember mm-hmm. being in yeah. high school and and <clears throat> like watching 120 minutes. Like who is this? Yeah, this yeah. band's amazing and just yeah. loving it, loving it. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course the replacements, obviously. Yeah. Where we were just, I mean, not a whole lot. You can say that's bad because they rule. No, I actually, I just did this thing at Jesse Mellon's club. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he, he did a, he showed that new movie, Color Me Obsessed. Oh yeah. It's a fan made movie. I, mm-hmm. I guess the director's like, I mean, it was, it's really well done, but that, that was the way it was, um, sold to me. It was like, oh, it's a fan made movie, but hmm. it seemed totally well put together at any rate he showed that movie and then um he had a band learn about 30 replacement songs and so craig from the hold steady and patrick from titus andronicus and myself and jesse mallon and a bunch of other singers and songwriters mm-hmm. and different people i think ted leo did one the next night and nicole atkins and all these different people sang replacement songs right on which so, one did you do i did two of them i did iou and anywhere is better than here right on and then at the end we all did bastards of young and I think we may have all done one other one, but yeah, it was cool. Um, and it was kind of cool. Like now that, you know, knowing Tommy, like to watch that movie with that, cause you know, hanging out with him for those three days, I, I tried to get as much, you know, replacements stuff as possible. It was cool though. He kind of talks about Paul Westerberg the same way you or I would like, he's like, yeah, I don't know. He kind of lives down by the river and you don't see him much, and like you know, he, but was there like any animosity though? It didn't seem. It didn't seem like there was any at that point. In fact, we played Minneapolis, and and Paul was supposed to come out. Oh, really? Yeah, like they had been talking about. Because supposedly the only reason there's nothing that they won't do a show is because the two of them don't want to play together. Maybe it's on Paul. I don't know. Hmm. It uh, it didn't seem that way to me. I mean, Tommy seemed. I mean, he was so gracious and really, you know awesome to me he and his wife are terrific people and uh but i don't i don't know if there is anything there i don't know but uh you know i kind of don't want to see a replacements reunion yeah i might be in the minority <laughs> I but know. i feel i just think i'd rather see it now than in 10 years <laughs> well uh, I, I think the thing about it for me is um it's just so cool yeah. If you weren't there, that. you didn't get it, and that's it. Every other band is reunited. And, yeah. I mean, if you can give me five that are amazing, then then great. But I can't think of five where it's it's like, wow, the magic's back. I mean, the replacements were just, they were what they were, and I think it's cool that you don't get any more. Now, that, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just makes those crazy songs in his basement, and there's moments of sheer genius, right. and then, uh, you know long-running portions of tape where he's just throwing shit at a wall you know it's yeah. it's cool i mean i just he's like one of my heroes it just oh, yeah so to go back down memory lane and play coachella it just seems well that would 
Yeah, that would suck. I guess. I think. I think the the only reason I've thought it would be cool is because the, so they could actually do it and be decent, as opposed to a lot of the bands that get together. Did you ever see a buck? The replacements. Yeah. Oh, dude, I saw the replacements. I went to see the replacements in like it was. Uh, I will dare was the single. Nice. So whatever fucking year that was. Thinking that it was the Reducers, which was a band from Connecticut, this <laughs> punk band from yeah, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like we just didn't know what the fu- I didn't know the replacements didn't know anything about them um, and they were, it was one of those halfway in between shows they were fucking lubed but like they played a great <laughs> show and I remember they did a, they did a cover of uh, Taking a Ride oh, and it was yeah. just like fuck and they did I Will Dare I knew I Will Dare from the radio mm-hmm. but um, and that was it, dude. Um, they're like one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, me too. That was the show. I mean, I think uh, it would be cool if at a Tommy Stinson show or at a Westerberg show, a, right, an impromptu right. That would probably be way better. Where it wasn't planned. I just, I'm, it's fine. I mean, hey, if they can get paid, good for them. I mean, I, I wouldn't. It's nothing like that. I just think it's so cool to leave it behind, leave it in the dirt. Yeah. And, um, and not try to. I would like to see Bash and Pop. I like that Bash yeah. and Pop record better than some replacements records. That's a, a good little one. Better than probably three replacements records. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. You find that because uh, we've discussed, like, I mean, loved ones. Even the name of the band is from Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a, a serious, you know, rock pop sensibility background, especially now with the replacements. It all makes sense to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and. But do you feel that you've gotten lumped in as a punk artist? Um, yeah. Not so much now at the solo stuff, but I remember when the, when when Loved Ones first came out that EP. It was something that was that was frustrating. I mean, it was really great to go from from J. I mean, J Tree's a great label, and still, you know, their catalog is kind of. I mean, it just speaks for itself. It's terrific. Yeah. Um, and going from but going from them to Fat, it was something I was concerned about, and and it, it was it was a little rough. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that knowing that it sounds a little, um, I don't know. I don't want to complain. I mean, we, yeah. we had a huge jump, a lot more distribution, mm-hmm. a lot more opportunities and <clears throat> sold a lot more records when we went to fat, but fat records doesn't really have that great of a critical rep, I suppose. It's not a whole lot of diversity. They have their sound, they stick to it. And that I mean? sound is nothing I, I really ever was super into mm-hmm. i mean mike and I, I think the sole reason we're friends is because we can get together and drink a bottle of vodka and just argue about music you know like i mean what he finds to like oh, he's actually said to me well who are the best the top five punk bands and i don't know i end up <laughs> saying the clash and the replacements and whatever and he's convinced it's bad religion no effects rancid <laughs> you know and i'm like what what but you just named your own band, who I just watched. That's <laughs> one of the best punk bands ever. <laughs> like, are you trying to sneak no effects into this? You can't That's do awesome. that. So, so you know. But at any rate, his, you know. But but the thing about that label is, pe- the people that work with him and who have kept that ship afloat are fantastic people. Vanessa yeah. and all the people that work there are awesome. I mean, they're totally on it, and and they're very honest. Um, Aaron. Mike's wife, who who has run the sort of business side for years and years, is incredible. I mean, you you know you're not getting taken advantage of. You know you're getting your fair shake. You yeah. get paid 
like <laughs> clockwork. I mean, all that stuff is so terrific. It's just that the aesthetic of the label is so that California, we wear green shorts and high socks and are into <laughs> making weird jokes about joke songs. And I, I don't know. It was never really my thing. I was more of like an East Coast kid, you know, somewhere between Sick of It All and Fugazi was my my punk upbringing you know and then i just went you know backwards to the classics so Mm -hmm. but they're they're terrific it's just uh that i'm i'm getting off track but ultimately uh, wow (laughs) (laughs) ultimately yeah it was a little bit weird because i I was trying to make the band more of a songwriting based band Mm -hmm. we just happened to play the songs really loud and really fast i saw the first loved one show i saw because i someone sent me the ep and i was like working at fuse I was like this yeah love it what the hell and i happen to be in dc yeah at a um friend of mine who's like she's this amazing cellist i went to high school and college with her and she like played on fugazi's the argument and bob mold records and she's mm. like the indie rock cellist named amy dominguez and she was playing some event uh next door to i can't remember the, the venue you guys played in but it was i was watching a movie some some weird like claymation William S. Burroughs heroin type Christmas film, and then a video from Weird War, which you know I, I'll watch anything Ian Sfinonius does because I think he's amazing. And then I had to get up and leave in the middle to come see you guys for playing next door. And I took my best friend from high school, uh, who literally got me into every good band, and we just like we marched up to the front. Yeah, and, I remember that. Stood, it was amazing. I like bought all my shirts from you. Yeah, that was that was cool. Was I remember being set. being like uh, somebody said because I didn't know Fuse. You know, like you were doing mm-hmm. Fuse at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, what? They were like, yeah, the guy from Fuse. I think maybe our drummer knew Fuse or something. And I was like, oh, cool. And then you were like, you know, you knew all everything about music. We talked about music mm. at the at the. Uh, <laughs> merch table and i was like oh, wow true. this guy knows every band and every record and er- i don't know anything I'm just- <laughs> that's how i feel all the time when i talk to steven no that's how, that's <laughs> that's how I feel. yeah you're like the encyclopedia <laughs> no. of indie rock no the fuse got me in a lot of trouble because they said we're gonna pitch you as fuse's pinfield and i went don't do that because <laughs> i know matt and that's that's no like yeah i just recently encyclop- he was at that replacements thing too matt well oh, of course he was yeah uh, now he's like, you know, he's encyclopedia. I'm Cliff. Notes. Yeah, he is encyclopedia. <laughs> I think we might actually met when I was a teenager. Oh yeah, because uh, I used to see Kid Dynamite all the time. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And I don't know if you remember the show. I don't know if you were there, but they played in Ithaca, um, Ithaca. at John Ziga's house. Who's Jeff Ziga's brother? Right, right, right. I don't know that I was. Maybe I was there. I think it I was, was in, in the every DVD. Kid yeah, and stuff. Oh, you know what? I wasn't there. Colin went. Okay. Colin and I were like the two idiot roadies that. You know, we ended up in the movie, you know, you can yes. kind of see we're just the two blockheads that move the gear around. But uh, he went on that trip. I don't know I what I was up get, to. I saw day. them also. I remember the Euclid Tavern in Cleveland. I was there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that with Snapcase? Yes. And I, I remember so. some. Wow. Uh, some. I remember. Oh, who was it? I think Ezek was at the show. Yeah, because he lived around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember being like, whoa, that's Ezek. You know, kind of scared. And <laughs> I was like, I wonder if we'll beat anyone up. And. But of course, you know, I got to, I met Ezek a couple times later when I worked for Sick of It All, and he's like the nicest person you could run into. Yeah. But uh, I remember being scared, like, oh, that's the guy from DMS. Cleveland, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember Dan took me on stage after the show and was like showing me his amp setup because he had like two different amps. Right. Some kind of thing. And he was like, and this is how I run it. Yeah. Like, what's it sort of like for you to kind of play with Paint It Black and stuff after having such a kind of history with, with Dan and those guys? Well, I was in Paint It Black for the first two years of that band. Um, or maybe it was even more than that. Like Dan put together the post Kid Dynamite project and asked me to play guitar. And, um, I guess it was Dan, Dave, and I, and then we found Andy, who now is like, Dan and Andy are the only two original members still in Painted Black. Um, it was fun. At that point, years had gone by, and and you just become friends with these people. And I mean, it was fun to play together. It just, it didn't seem like, oh, I'm in the band with that guy from Lifetime or anything. Right. Like, we just, we had become good buds, and it was fun. I, I was a little, I was starting to get, grow weary of playing Hardcore music, though. So it's easier for me to kind of appreciate what Paint It Black does. And and I really love that band not being in it. Just because I was like, I mean, it, it's interesting that this came up right after you asked about being pigeonholed as a punk artist or, or something. But I felt like I was really immersed in that world. And when I left, I was like, well, I'm going to focus on the loved ones. And it just, everything was so punk, 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 punk. And I was like, I don't listen to punk. Like, I mean, I listened to some, but, you know, people would come up and be like, what about this new 7-inch by this band? And I'd be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I, I'm listening to Kathleen Edwards and, and you know, I don't even know who it would have been at the time. Steve Earl or something. And uh, Uh-oh. it was... Jonas Boner is visible. <laughs> I love Steve Earl. <laughs> yeah, as do I. As do I. But, yeah, it... I think Painted Black is is terrific, and and they ended up making, I think their best record. We were writing when I quit, and I ended up singing a little bit on the record, but um, it turned out great. I kind of wished I would have just stayed on and played the played on that damn thing. But that record, Paradise, is is pretty awesome. It's a good and Andy's playing with Ceremony now, or something. Yeah, he is playing with Ceremony, which is which is great. And he and he kind of runs. He and Sean Agnew kind of run Philadelphia, you know underground shows right. through R5 and he's awesome I just saw him at the Philly show the other night what was what was the because I've seen a number of loved one shows uh, what was your path from because I knew you like you roadied and think of the souls yep and explosion too right yeah because and I'm, I'm paraphrasing you will give the correct quote because it's you but you were on stage at a show I think it might have been at CB's where you're like uh Matt Hawk was the one who was like, just start a band, man. Yeah, Matt and Dave from The Explosion. In fact, yep. Dave ended up joining The Loved Ones. Yep. And he was, a he was, he gave me sort of a late night speech driving. He was driving the van on the Warp Tour. I was tour managing. He was driving and it was late. And he just was like, listen, I'm firing you. <laughs> you can't work. You can't work for bands anymore. You, you have to be, you have to go do this on your own. This is crazy. And Pete from the Souls ended up saying that, and Brian and all those guys. Like, basically, those two bands were like, "Enough is enough. You can't roadie for us anymore. Can you just do this one more tour, though? You know, like, <laughs> we need you to just take this one last five week run." And so it's sort of, you know, those two bands are still my family. You know, those are people who I still play with. I mean, you know, members of the Explosion and the Souls will play the full band show yeah. on Sunday and. I've made records with these people and still keep in touch. I was just at Damien from the Explosions wedding. And, you know, they, those two bands are, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. They're they're my best buds and we still do stuff together and 
hang out as much as possible and Oh, the explosion is 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 one of my favorite bands. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm so excited to see them in, in oh, Asbury in a couple God, weeks. So psyched! How many shows? Are they just doing a one-off? Or are they doing just one? Just one. Okay. I love it because Matt is Sam playing or Sam's not playing. Chris uh, is playing. Um, I mean, Sam lives in Toronto now. Okay, I mean Chris is great. I love yeah, he's Chris, awesome. But like, I mean, no, I've haven't seen him with Sam years yeah. ago. I saw uh, it was still to this day one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Uh, it was the Explosion International Noise Conspiracy. And Rocket from the Crypt. Yeah, it's a great And I think I just show. wept the entire time. <laughs> I think it was just like, and it was hilarious because I I loved the explosion, but I'd never seen them. And Matt, of course, came out, and uh, I think he's just one of the funniest. He's best the best front man. Front man. Front man since Mick Jagger. That's what I'll say that to anyone and defy anyone to come up with somebody. Better. I concur. He's the best. I concur. He's the embodiment of of rock and roll. He uh, he's. I mean, he's one of my best buds, and so, like, it's weird to even say that, but he's so fucking good at being a front man. I mean, it, it just throw a pill and, like, four beers down his throat, and it's, <laughs> it's on. I'm I'm ready to roll. Like, I'm just like, yes. And it was so bizarre when, when two of the Explosion guys joined the loved ones. I just was like, I yeah. had this crazy, every night, I was like, man, no matter what I say or do as the front man, they... They played with the best. It took a while for them, like, and them being like, will you just stop being such a weirdo and just do what you do? Like, I was like, man, I just feel like I'm not doing it as well as Matt. And they were like, we're not thinking about that at all, ever. But, uh, I mean, he's just, he's the best. I, I distinctly remember the explosion playing a show in Philly, and there was no stage. It was just a punky show. And it was crazy. People were going bananas, and he had slip-on vans, and they fell off like he's running around with the mic and the crowd and he's looking for his shoes while he's singing and the, it hits like a breakdown mosh part or whatever and he picks up his shoe he's waving around and he goes i've got one shoe and one dick which one do you want up your fucking ass <laughs> to the entire crowd and i just was and that was early on and i just was like yeah i, I love this guy Oh, I mean, he's so great. And we had actually at the bachelor party for Damien a couple weeks ago, we formed like an impromptu band and oh. Matt grabbed the mic and we just, oh, it was, it was awesome. He, he is, he is phenomenal, I think. And to the point where, you know, my wife has been to thousands of shows. She'd never listened to the explosion. I took her and she's like, this laughing hysterically. Someone threw something, hit Matt in the head in the middle of a song. <laughs> he just goes, somebody throw some at me. That's a no, no. And goes right back. And I was like. He also, the last show they played Love. in New York, he got hit with a shoe and he goes, you don't throw a shoe at me. I'm the coolest motherfucker in here. Is that, is that a knitting factor? Yeah. I was at that show when they, when they, when they did, uh, when they did, uh, no revolution four times in a row. Yeah. Greatest encore I've ever seen. They'd be like, everyone's on stage. No one watching. Everyone's on the stage. No one down uh, on, on the floor. And. <laughs> That's like one more, like four times in a row. The entire four song. times of the song, everyone loved. The it most. was amazing. It was art. So we should have Dave, um, if you will. Uh, we were talking before hits. So we, we read that story you wrote about being on tour with Chuck mm -hmm. and having in that hotel or something. Oh my god! Yeah, and that was crazy. Could you maybe? I know you. The story you wrote actually was really detailed and well written. But I was wondering if maybe you could just recount that in case maybe people who are listening haven't. Read yeah. it. Can't read. Can't read. Or can't find it. Can't use Google. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it was at the end of a cross Canadian tour, um, so I had all the money I had earned 
for three weeks or whatever of being on tour. And, um, you know, usually I have these strategic ways of keeping that money away from situations where it can get stolen or lost or whatever. But at that particular moment, I was going from the venue back to the hotel. I had all my stuff with me because I had to fly the next day. And it was a big music conference in Toronto that I was playing with Chuck. So there were musicians in the hotel all weekend. I was used to seeing freaky people, weirdos, just hanging around the lobby. So I thought nothing of it. It was like four in the morning. I walked in and this guy comes up and he goes, hey, man, he goes, uh, you write songs? Because I had my acoustic guitar in a bag or whatever, you know. And I was like, yeah. He goes, you play tonight? Yep. He goes, you make any money? I was like, no, nah, man. I was like, making money in this game is a fool's errand, you know. And know, like, knowing that that was kind of a weird question. Mm-hmm. Why are you asking me what I made tonight, you know. And so he was like kind of tweaky and like weird and a little too close to me and i was waiting for the elevator and he goes uh he goes yo man you know i I, i'm i make beats i think that's what he did i can't he said something you'll have to refer to the story whatever he did or why he was there maybe he was a a rapper or or he was in into hip-hop and i was like oh that's nice you know he's like we should write songs oh yeah that sounds cool man i'm waiting for the elevator which is taking an eternity (laughs) and he goes uh well, give me your number. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, and I started to get like into that Philadelphia, like, you know, what's going on here? And uh, he goes, what do you mean? You ain't going to give me your number. I was like, no, 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 no. I, was, I don't, I don't give my number to anybody. Cause I don't, you know, the phone bills up here are really expensive. I was trying to let him down easy. So he's persistent. The elevator opens and I get in and he goes, uh, he goes, yo man, that's fucked up. You could have just told me. You didn't want anything to, you, you weren't interested. And I was like, I try, and you could see him getting agitated. And I was like, oh man. So I said, uh, I did. I tried to be nice. Fuck off. I'm not giving you my number. <laughs> and then the doors closed and I could hear him like grumbling or, or you know, kind of cussing at me or whatever. And I was like, wow, that was a weird scene. Thank God I'm going to bed. So I get upstairs, I'm at the door and I'm like, oh man, my hotel key isn't working. It got demagnetized. Like, I got to go back down there and deal with this Cretan. Ah, uh, this sucks. Well, I turn, the hotel, the, the uh, elevator door is open, and here he comes. This guy with a full head of steam, like, coming at me. I'm like, fuck, you know, here we go. Knocking on the door, and I was sharing a room with Chuck Reagan. Like, hey, Chuck! Chuck! <laughs> no answer. And the guy comes up, and, and he's, like, real itchy, you know? Like, maybe he was tweaking on some kind of speed or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to go well. And he goes, uh, oh, man, that's fucked up. I said, I said, listen, man, I told you I don't want anything to do with you. Just I'm going to bed. Just leave me alone. Something like that. And he's he's coming at me and he gets to me. And I was like, and I switched into like crazy guy. No, knowing sometimes that's your only way out. Because I had all my money, my guitar, all my clothes. All right. And I was like, this is going to end bad for you. I was like, trust me back off (laughs) and i said all kinds of fucked up things to him about how i was gonna do awful things to him you know like (laughs) you know it's gonna be like prison and i'll just indicate it that way (laughs) and he and he kind of looked at me weird and he was like the term skull fuck ever come out (laughs) i don't think skull fuck but various other fucking (laughs) because i just was like you know like i'm not that big i'm very small but i figured i could play crazy guy the freaky guy you know and i was like what am i gonna do 
And he's like, ah, it's your choice, man. You either give me your money, your guitar, or that bag of clothes. And I was like, I choose none. I was like, and seriously, if you get any closer to me, I'm going to fucking knock your teeth out. You're going to be swallowing your teeth in seconds. This is your last chance. And, and then at the same time, I'm banging on the door like, Chuck! <laughs> Chuck! Come on, man! Like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> He's probably watching like Sex in the City or whatever, and or fell asleep. I don't know what he's up to. So the guys, I think I balled up my fist or whatever, or dropped the guitar. I don't know. I, I detailed it in the story the next day. And he goes, "What are you gonna do?" When he grabbed my wrist, like my right hand. So I was like, "Fuck!" You know, here we go. And I I blasted him quickly in the like in the chin, like just to stun him, and then grabbed his throat. And so we're like standing there and I'm kicking the door like, Chuck! So the throat. He's got my arm. I can't tell what he's on. And the guy's kind of like coming at me and I'm like not backing down and I'm scared. I don't know if he's got like a knife or, right. or what he's going to do or what he's capable of. But I did. Oh, oh, I missed the best part of the story. Right before that, he goes, um, he, I had indicated in the lobby where I was from. He said, where are you from? That was the first thing he asked. I said, Philly. And he goes, oh, okay, right? So as he was coming towards me, he goes, uh, I said, you know, I'm telling him, like, you're going to get fucked up. Back up off me. Don't come any closer. And he goes, yo, man, this ain't Philadelphia. This is Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the moment. That was the moment I knew, like, you're not getting stabbed. You're probably not getting robbed. <laughs> this guy clearly has no idea. And I kind of chuckled at him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's <laughs> like, Philadelphia's got more violent crime in in a month than Canada, the entire has had, has nation had. <laughs> has in in a decade. I was like, Are you, I live in a fucked up place, and that's when I kind of knew. I was like, All right, well, I don't think I'm gonna get. Hurt. You're thinking like, All right, I might actually get a chance to fuck this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting laid tonight. You make it like a free physical or something. I said that too. That was the other thing I said. If this door opens. You're you're gonna catch a beating that you will never forget. And then Hoping that Chuck shower. would get off his ass and come out and help me. So I'm like, oh my god, you know, I'm kicking the door, Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> so I got the guy by the throat. He's got my arm, and the door finally opens, and Chuck Chuck Reagan's standing there. His hair is all mussed up. He has no shirt on. And he's just got a towel around his waist. And he goes, he looks around. He goes, what in God's name is going on out here? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, your dad or something. <laughs> and I was like, Chuck, this motherfucker's trying to rob me. And I got him by the, and the guy kind of like looks at me. He's, he's being choked. He looks at me and he looks at Chuck. <laughs> and I think he kind of, it registered like, oh man, I'm in way over my head. <laughs> and uh, he let go of my wrist and I pushed him and he kind of like backed up and started scrambling away. And I was like, and Chuck looked at me, he's like, what in the hell? And I was like, yeah, man, it's crazy. And he goes, uh, let's get him. You know, that was the person. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, go back in the room and get my shit in here. You know, grab my guitar. We're not going to go get him. We're in Canada. Like, we get the privilege of coming up here and having people, like, you know, what we do is does well in Canada. You know? And as soon as you do anything violent, forget it. You know, right. like DUIs, violent crime, anything like that. You're fucked. You can't come back to Canada or you have to pay exorbitant amounts of money to get in. And uh, so at least I was thinking on my feet because part of me wanted to let's go get him. I wanted to see <laughs> yeah, what would happen. Yeah. Chuck would have whipped that towel off and probably <laughs> choked him to death. Or who knows what would happen. But I was like, no, no, no. Get inside and call the front desk. Like, 
I don't want to, I'm, I'm over it. I just want to go to bed. So we called the front desk and they caught him. He was actually staying at the hotel and they called and they were like, do you want to come down and press charges? I was like, no, I just don't tell him what my name is or anything about me. Just get him out of here. I need a 10 o'clock wake up call, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just make sure he, he's not here anymore. But yeah, that was crazy. It, it definitely made me rethink some of my night owl habits, you know, on tour. I was like, man, that was, that could have gone really, really poorly. But yeah, it was a wacky story. <laughs> this isn't Philadelphia. It's Canada. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Canada is like where all the nice people are. <laughs> Philadelphia is where all the angry, violent fuckers. It's like, you don't understand. We hate our own sports teams because we love them so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. What's going on with the band is loved ones. Do you have separate songs that are banked for loved ones records? I had a bunch of songs. I have a bunch of songs that were intended to be the next loved ones record. And I'm, but I'm not sure what's happening. It sounds to me like not everybody was wanting to, to tour mm-hmm. heavily on it. So I guess I'm, we're kind of coming to that crossroads where it's like, do we make another record, but then not tour on it, which mm-hmm. would seem bizarre to me. Right. So we're sort of talking it through to see what's going on. We might, um, I might just make another solo record and keep going with that, or, um, you know, and just do the loved ones whenever we can do fun things, or, or mm-hmm. we may make a record. I'm not really sure. I, the plan was to make another loved ones record next year, but I something seems really bizarre to me about making a record and then not taking it all over the world and playing it for people. It seems. Like half assing it to me. Yeah, I mean that's what it's kind of the point, you know what I mean? You want everyone to listen to it, but you know, people want the live experience. Well, and we're not by any stretch a band like uh, you know, Radiohead or one of those bands that you can put out a record and not tour. I mean, people aren't just aren't gonna even know it exists unless we kind of do the whole thing where we're in your town and then we're coming back and then we're opening for this band and then we Mm -hmm. go back and headline. When's the last time you guys toured? We haven't toured that much, man. It was, uh, let's see, 2009, we did two tours. One of them was uh, with the Souls in the spring, just locally. And then we did six weeks with Gaslight Anthem um, at the end of the year. And then in 2010, we did a really short run with AFI and then went to Australia. And this year, we played two shows. We played Asbury Park in New York City. Mm. And that was it. Um, So, I mean, just everyone's busy doing other stuff. And, uh, so yeah, it's kind of weird even to be saying it in a public forum cause we haven't quite talked it all the way through, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure what's happening. Okay. <laughs> I mean, those guys are dear friends of mine and, and I want that to be the guiding principle. And so we'll see what everyone's comfortable with and then make decisions based on that. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I've learned over years of talking to any band is, uh, bands are hard Someone told me, I was playing in a band in college, and they said, hardest thing is showing up for practice. <laughs> it's like, once you get there, you're halfway home. Yeah, Jason from, from Kid Dynamite and, uh, and No More Black, I, I heard him once say, somebody said something about their band breaking up, and they're like, man, I'm just, I'm bummed, our band's done. And he just, he looked at him, kind of said, bands? Oh, bands just break your heart. <laughs> and it stuck with me. I mean, it, it's It's true. Even when you're in a band with all your buddies, the the 
that can be exactly what happens because people change and people want different things out of life or people lose interest. I mean, it's, it's even more wild to me as time goes on that there are bands like social distortion and the bouncing souls and Pearl jam and just bands that have like been together for 30 years or 20. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just wild. Well, souls, especially, I mean, they've 20 years plus now and they, this was a great show. They played uh, the gold record. Before they started doing these album shows years ago, they did the gold record in its entirety, and you played. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. That was a great show. That was fun. All the way through, mm-hmm. like the whole thing. And and it ended with, again, everybody up on stage at the Knitting Factory, and you were up on top of an amp safe overlooking everything with no mic but still singing and screaming as loud as you could. <laughs> I was in the crowd going, that's a bull. He, I hope it didn't fall. I hope I didn't. Yeah, I was hoping the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. It was a that was a good night. Was it Jonah, maybe you're at this episode when we interviewed Death Cab and we're talking to them and I I literally sat and said, Look, I've been listening to you guys for a long time. You're one of my favorite bands. Can you not break up? Can you just <laughs> and and the bass player Nick went, Yeah, someone told us a while ago that the most the best thing you can do as a band after a while is just don't break up. Just stay together, you know, keep it going. But it's I mean, it's hard. We were talking about that with thursday you know who just decided you know on on a hiatus is that true yeah you know? and thrice like both and oh I, that's right i did yeah. hear that yeah yeah yeah. see i sort of i agree with what you're saying but i think sometimes breaking up is a good idea that's 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 that what i'm what leading up say. to yeah, yeah it's like and and not for that oh we're gonna reunite and get cash kind of tour kind of thing but i think it's almost better to say break up and not hiatus well <clears throat> i'm gonna throw him under the bus my friend jason black from hot water music Mm-hmm. was asking about the loved ones. It was, this was probably about a year ago. I was like, I don't know, man. It's hard to get everybody together. And, you know, I've been going, you know, I'm looking to do this solo thing and I have a record coming out. I'm going to just see what happens. And he goes, oh, man, I got to I gotta tell you, best thing you could do right now is break the band up. And I was like, why? Why would we break up? He goes, well, because then you can get the band back together and, and everyone will be jazzed about coming <laughs> yep. back. And I was like, boy, that seems... Seems kind of sketchy. But those hot water shows, I mean, I saw them towards the end before they broke up, mm-hmm. and the shows were definitely were getting smaller. And then when they took a, a year, not that long, like two years off maybe, and we're, we're back together, those shows were huge. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like they've all sort of been huge. Look at the Get Up Kids, too. They did the same thing. Yeah. Like, I felt like people kind of, like, you take these bands for granted, and you're like, oh, I'll see them next time they come to town, whatever. And then when they're gone and they come back, you're like, oh, I remember I have to. Yeah, do I remember this. being at the last face to face show years ago. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, I think Kid Dynamite has played more reunion shows yeah. than he did tour. Yeah. <laughs> going out of business. Yeah, going out of business is just a sale. <laughs> yeah, not going out of business, it's just a sale. I, I'm seeing Lifetime next month. It's so crazy. I remember like 10 years ago, like missing their last show at the Euclid Tavern and being like, I'm never going to see this band. And I feel like... Yeah, never seen never. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. The, the oh, wait, thing- I'm just looking on Twitter. Replacements are getting back together. <laughs> The thing about that, though, is, I mean, I mean, that's another thing about the this community, the punk rock thing, that's somewhat frustrating is those bands do get taken for granted. I mean, Hot Water Music, no matter what kind of music you're into, is a, is a great band. Lifetime was a great band. And, and if those bands don't get your support, they will disintegrate. And I mean, I mean, that's something that I've seen happen in this community for years and years and and i think it's still going on i mean 
God bless Tony and all the people who put on the fest, but essentially uh, Andy from, from Painted Black recently had a just, you know, it ended up being a poignant quote that we were, we were just in a conversation and he said, well, yeah, this is a destination based subculture now. And it's true. Like essentially there's these fests, there might be 10 of them in the States every year. You know, there's Riot Fest and there's The Fest and Fun, Fun, Fun and all this stuff. And they slam all these bands onto the bill and people come from far and wide, have this, you know, 600 paps blue ribbons over the weekend, watch all their favorite bands and go home. And that's the show that they saw that year. And it's kind of, it's it's rough because when you go through Toledo or, or um, Duluth or wherever it is that the, these kids are coming from all over the, the states, they might not come see the, the touring act because they're like, well, I'll just see them at Fest or I'll see them at this. And I think that that's kind of, that's a problem, you know, or I mean, it's a problem for touring musicians it, it, and it's hard to uh, sustain your, your art that way mm-hmm. if you can only play one big sh- if hot water music just plays the fest you know then mm-hmm. that's it you know they're not really they're a band that plays every now and again at that point right. it's hard to make records and tour and and keep the whole thing running and i think that that's something i've seen shift and i don't know that it's necessarily that great of a thing it's interesting that it's, it doesn't seem to be that kind of almost tour driven music economy to me anymore no because i'm not just i'm not going out and seeing bands as much as i used to on account of children sure but um uh you know i still keep aware Mm -hmm. and i fall into that mindset of um uh the souls like like i can skip 10 souls shows because i know i'll see them you know i'll probably go home home for the holidays yeah oh the explosions reuniting well i'm definitely fucking going you know now i know what date i'm gonna go right you know that kind of thing so it's hard um but then i've had discussions with bands who you know were in bands that broke up but they're really big in their town Mm -hmm. so they're like "We'll, we'll do one big show a year at our town and you know you know make some money won't mm-hmm. be a lot of money but it'll be a fun thing to do right you know and keeping it like i could see you know uh it's like dismemberment plan before they got back together they were like we would only play Fort reno shows in fairfax virginia like mm-hmm. once a year we'll do a show and that'll be our thing but of course that was free so it wasn't really a money thing it was just getting together yeah. but it's it's hard it's saying that it's very poignant that these bands need your support to stay there and, and and it's bands who've made a collective effort to either not go into the the large machine of radio or couldn't yeah and this was the only avenue they had right yeah. yeah i think a lot of that that infrastructure is is a thing of the past mm-hmm. um which is fine i mean progress is what it is i mean things change and but i do think that the mentality of we'll just see all that stuff at the fest and I don't mean the fest, I mean whatever fest you may find yourself going to, whether it be Fuck Yeah or Fun 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 mm-hmm. or Riot or any of those things. Like, I can skip these 10 shows because I can get, I can spend 150 bucks and see them all in one shot and then I've I've had my fix. Well, that was my Warped Tour mentality for years because for... The well, they warp- were a big contributor to that idea. Well, but their, their set times, I don't know how these fests work, if it's 45 minutes or half an hour, but for me, Warped Tour is great because I can go see... A band I'd never seen for a half hour, which was a great primer. Mm-hmm. But then bands like Bad Religion or Bouncing Souls, I usually avoided their sets at Warp Tour because mm-hmm. I don't want to see those bands that I really like for a half hour because right. they're going to do you know a collection of big hits 
or their hits, you know, or their, you know, crowd pleasers. Right. And I want to hear something else. Mm-hmm. So that's a band that I'm going to go see, you know, a club and a venue because I want to see them for two hours. Right. Literally. Like, I mean, I hated seeing, you know, working Lollapalooza, you know, seeing Pearl Jam for an hour. That felt like robbery to me. Like, I want to <laughs> see, I want to see a lot more stuff from Pearl Jam up there. Yeah. Because that doesn't seem one fair to the crowd. And it seems, festivals, I agree with you, seem like, you're chalking someone off your list. Yeah. Like, I've seen that band now. Awesome. File that way in the memory. Yeah, and I got like the super limited vinyl, you know, like whatever they're selling, especially mm. the fest. Like there's so much crazy merch down there. I feel like kids go there just to buy stuff. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, you know, you can get Good swept point. away with this. I could, or I could get swept away with this complaint. I mean, it's great to have a community at all. Anyone paying attention at all, even mm. if it's once or twice a year at a, at a big festival. Uh, you know, again, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds. It's just... In terms of it being a sustainable subculture, it doesn't seem like those things are contributing to that. I think the Warp Tour, I mean, we could go on for days about how, you know, that, about all the negatives of that tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's positive things about it too, you know. Of course, this, uh, that they um, won the sustainability of that tour and how that place is a proving ground for old and new bands yeah you know? and and bless kevin's heart man he will always pick the next superstar mm-hmm. of the globe yeah you know if you look look at the track record of that band of that tour starting from the first tour first tour was uh this you know up and coming no doubt yeah it's sublime or something and, it wasn't uh, eminem yeah you know, katie perry you kid know, rock fallout boy kid rock like all of this he's like yeah these guys and then and then he'll have someone on the flip side that he'll think is going to be the greatest band ever you know be like you know emory's going to be huge this year yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it never well you know what's crazy to me is they announced some of the bands for this year like five of the bands and oh, i was they? like i was like the old school band now i think it's like <clears throat> bayside like they're like bayside's playing and then like four newer bands i was like i think bayside is like Bad religion to someone who got into the, you know, like, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nothing against Bayside, but it's just crazy how yeah, they're, they're I great. think of them as a newer band still. Of I course. do too. Yeah. 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 Now, Corey, you you did the Kevin's version of. Oh, yeah, the Cooter version of Warp Tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he put a Throwdown. Yeah. Two oh, years ago. The, I did the first one. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. So he's. I was kind of the odd man out on Who that else was on that tour? That was like, you know, it was a lot of big hat, big boot. I mean, that was like, you know, Jamie Johnson and, uh, Montgomery Gentry and like you know like like pop country stuff and then I did the they had the side stages like the little you know the, I called it like this we were like the Zamboni in between the big acts and then we were the solo <laughs> side freak tent and uh, it was mainly songwriters from Nashville people that weren't really trying to be artists but that wrote some of the songs you hear and uh, it was a Bluebird stage which is the old proving ground in Nashville it's the the room where Willie and Waylon and those guys used to sit and write and and uh, so, yeah, I was proud to be on that stage, but pretty pretty odd man out, you know. I think they were trying to start it very commercial mm-hmm. country and then work some of the, the crossover, like um, oddball, you know, Americana, punk, country stuff, any, any of that, that in-between stuff. They were trying to, like Austin Lucas. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know Austin Lucas. Yeah. He did it this year. Um, so it's pretty much their mo, like like cro- literally cross pollinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it works. It's a cool thing. Well, I remember when that that the inception for that came in was when Shooter Jennings played the Warp Tour. Oh God! And he, um, whoa, how rude! Um, <laughs> I didn't know you played Shooter. Now <laughs> I have a marimba. No, it's like why, if the volume's off on the phone, why would something go on? 
It's very odd. Oh, it's, you know, because it was the stopwatch. I try to time these things, even though it never works. Um, (laughs) Shooter Jennings was on the Warp Tour, and he did the smartest thing ever. He noticed wasn't really drawing a crowd because he was playing the Dr. Mad Vibes stage, you know, Angelo from Fishbone stage. Um, Right next to the hot dog cart. (laughs) Right next to it. And he, so what they started doing was they would go to the parents' tent where you know the where the parents would wait for their kids <laughs> and they would flyer it so all the parents would come and they were getting a crowd every show every time they had a set they had a crowd and he's like we found our audience that's amazing it i was, love parents it was great <laughs> yeah. it was great and if any one of those parents knew shooter jennings they would have turned right back around went back in a tent <laughs> <laughs> Dave Haas and I were at the exact same event where we saw a man assault a woman. You can't really, you can't really start too many conversations with that, but <laughs> it was a very fascinating story. I mean, I don't know, like, like Screeching Weasel just kind of ended after that. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how Ben Weasel's going to be remembered. I wonder if that's going to be like his kind of like uh, Michael Richards suck. moment where it's like kind of everything else he does is kind of discounted. I, I, I wonder if the... Like the the punk rock community is as forgiving as say the pop community with like Chris Brown, you know, it's like Chris Brown is still in the news. He still does stuff. He's uh, still singing. And it, here it's the weird redemption thing. If if that was his horrible moment in his life, where it was just it, it can't be worse. You know, you 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 beat up your girlfriend. You put her in the hospital by assault. You did apologize. You know, I mean, what else fucking can you do unless you're a psychopath? Uh, born like, again, it's called. I think that's your get out of jail free card in the United States of America. What fine Christianity? Yeah. <laughs> One of the safer, non-violent fucking religions. You can do whatever you want as long as you're born again. It's all forgotten. You know what? Fine Buddha. I, I just, I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, what, you know what that reminds me of. I read an article the other day. I don't really follow sports, but Scott Rabb is a writer for Esquire, and he mm-hmm. wrote a book about Le- Le- LeBron James called "The Whore of Akron." And, you know, he's writing about how there's all these articles now, like LeBron, like Redemption, like LeBron James has kind of like redeemed himself from what happened in Cleveland. He's won a championship. And he wrote this essay and he was like, I'm not mad at LeBron James anymore, but he's like, just because someone wins a sporting event doesn't mean they're a good person now. Right. Like he hasn't redeemed his character. Like he won, a ga- you know, he won some important games and didn't choke. But like, how does that equate with him, like getting some kind of like moral aptitude or something? No. So he won a championship. That's his job. Yeah, yeah exactly. To win a championship. Exactly. You play basketball for a living. <laughs> you, you get a lot of money. You fucking win a championship. Yeah, there's oh, yeah. no bearing on your character, though. I'm so excited that for the past 20 seconds, this turned into a sports podcast. Yes. <laughs> we just gotta... Can we put that in the tags now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm putting hope, it in. I hope you guys all enjoyed uh, Dave Haas today. Uh, as always, music for the podcast by The Goops, produced by Brad Worrell. Well, you didn't produce The Goops. You were in The Goops, but you probably helped produce it because you were an audio guy, right? Yeah, no, not really. I tried. Were to... you the kind of guy that would get in someone's car and fuck with their presets and their yes. stereo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that right now. <laughs> You know, if you crank the bass and the treble, it just turns up everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's like volume, only with distortion and phase cancellation. Oh, my God. Oh, God. You you were were exactly my best friend from high school. (laughs) Get in my car. I'm like, don't touch it. I don't care. It's the way I like it. 
And in fact, I tuned it this way to fuck with you because I knew you were going to get in the car. Shut up. Yeah, do you want to drive me crazy? If you have a graphic equalizer, just turn all the bands all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> Brad EQ Worrell. <laughs> right on. So uh, let's do this next week um, because we're going to do one of these. We're going to do them weekly forever. Forever is a really long time, people. Quite a commitment. Yeah, we should get something out of it at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.